Hello and welcome to the latest USGA Green Section podcast episode. I'm John Petrovsky, host and education manager in the Green Section. In this episode, we head across the pond to chat with James Bledge, links manager at Royal Liverpool Golf Club in England, who will be hosting the 151st Open Championship this week. James gave us some insight into managing turf on the Historics Lynx course at Hoylake, his approach to greenkeeping in the UK, and how preparations are going for this week's Open Championship. Bledge, thanks for joining us. No doubt a busy time at Hoylake, so appreciate you joining us this morning and taking the time to talk. Just so our listeners know, I'm not being rude. You are known affectionately as Bledge, so if it's okay with you, I'm going to stick with that for today. Yeah, it's perfect, yeah. A lot of folks here in the States are familiar with you, but just tell us a little bit about your background and career journey as a greenkeeper. Excellent. So, firstly, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. It's really nice to have been asked. I've got a lot of really great American friends uh, all across through greenkeeping or golf, so uh, always really happy to help out. Uh, So, as you can hear... I'm not English, even though I work on an English golf course. I'm Scottish, and I was uh, brought up in a town in the southwest of Scotland called Dumfries, where I spent eight years of my life uh, from apprentice through to deputy head greenkeeper at Dumfries and Galloway Golf Club, which is like a low-budget Parkland golf course. In them days, they had eight staff, and now they've got three, so you can kind of see the way things have gone there. Uh, but it's still a course that's very close to my heart. Uh, Travelled a bit around Europe, uh, getting experience in Norway and Sweden, building golf courses, helped uh, build a, a Kyle Phillips golf course uh, in Sweden called the PGA National. Uh, worked at Kings Barnes Golf Links, which I'm sure uh, very popular amongst American golfers and guest visitors and greenkeepers. Uh, fantastic place to work. Really fell in love with Links greenkeeping and Links golf uh, on that golf course. Yeah, I've I've worked at Gullen Golf Club, kind of jotting about here a little bit, but I really had a had a, had a big break down at uh, Royal Sinkports, which is uh, in Deal, Kent, which uh, you guys will all have heard of Royal St George's. It, it basically falls on the back of Royal St George's, uh, top 100 golf course. I was there for two years as a uh, uh, deputy course manager and then uh, seven years as course manager, where we developed a course with uh, Martin Ebert, the architect there, uh, and transformed the team, transformed the maintenance facilities, the architecture, the way the course plays, the architecture, the, the grass species. I left there as courses and estates manager, so I was looking after the uh, looking after the, the the clubhouse as well during COVID time. So then this opportunity came up for me to join uh, Hoylake Royal Liverpool Golf Club, uh, which is. Kind of like Sandwich, Royal St George's, you know, it's, uh, the town is called Hoylake, like Sandwich is called Sandwich, and uh, Royal St George's like Royal Liverpool, so that's that's kind of where the name comes from, really. So you can call it either either or, there's no really any preference, whatever anyone fancies calling it. The the opportunity came up, and it's it's a dream job for a lot of people that really want the ultimate challenge in, in the Open, which is the biggest championship in the world. It's the the most famous trophy. It's got the best field and the best golf courses and the, the best test of golf through nature. The opportunity to move from South England, and I absolutely loved it down there, to discover a new city, uh, be, albeit Liverpool, and be closer to home, 
So uh, five move five hours closer to home is the drive. So my young kids can kind of grow up knowing their grandparents and their cousins, etc. Uh, it was a big thing for me. And then here we find ourselves uh, a year and a half into the job and currently sitting in the office, which is attached to my house, which is beside the ninth hole, uh, currently surrounded by an insane amount of infrastructure and people building, which is a city on a golf course. <laughs> uh, it's really pretty remarkable, yeah. So that's a kind of brief rundown myself and what I did miss out there, actually. I built, helped build uh, G West at Glen Eagles for uh, David McClay Kid, famous for band and such like golf courses, so... That's right. Yeah. Got his break abandoned. So what name do you go with for Royal Liverpool? I like the Royal Liverpool. I call it Royal Liverpool more than Hoylake. It was funny, when I was at Royal Sinkports, I called it Royal Sinkports all the time, and now I've left, just call it Deal. It's faster. But yeah, I think, yeah, I'd say to my mates, oh, you coming down to Royal Liverpool? You know, I wouldn't say coming down to Hoylake. So. But people call it whatever, you know. Gotcha. So I'll stick with Royal Liverpool. My brother and I had the pleasure of meeting you and getting a quick tour of the facility down at Royal St. Ports. It's an incredible golf course. Historic club as well, hosted two Opens. Some of the wildest greens I've ever seen. Number 12 kind of stood out. Mm, half pipe. R- really, really fun, but challenging and, and strategic golf course. So Yeah, I remember it's been a while now, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I definitely remember that. You know, there was, it's, it's held three Opens was meant to hold more but then there was floods uh and then i'm sure it was three is it not is it not 19 we'd have to google i might be wrong that could be really bad if i'm wrong I probably am I, I quite often i'm wrong so i think they had two and three was about to happen and that's when the flood hit yeah close enough yeah that's right i stand corrected <laughs> i don't know my history i'm <laughs> <laughs> a scatter brain because of the open as well you see but what a course i mean it's there's that stretch like from 15, 16 where you're going up and down through the dunes. It's really wild. I think it's probably one of the most, well, I was going to say underrated, but recently it's started getting rated because it's it's made top world top 100. But uh, people go on about Royal St. George's and I just, see if I had a pound or if I had a dollar or, uh, every time someone said, when I've said to them, so you're playing Royal St. George's, oh, you should go next door to Royal St. Ports and they've never heard of it. And I'm like, I can't actually believe it because it's 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 uh, every bit is good, you know. It's like the, the, the people come off there and like I hate comparing golf courses. I just like to enjoy all golf courses, and I hate ratings and stuff. They kind of get on my nerves at, at times. It really is an unbelievable bit of land with some of the best golf holes ever, and some of my favourite golf holes. And Martin Ebert says it's got the best green complexes in the world. We brought the. The, the guys, the, the chairman and the captain and everyone across from Hirono Golf Club in Japan to, to, to show them the green complexes. And I always stick that in my mind because Martin would always say the 17th at deal would be the best green complex in the world if it wasn't for the 16th. So that's how, how much he rates it. And he's a very guy who knows his onions when it comes to that. I couldn't agree more. It was just an incredible Lynx golf course. Where did you go to school for greenkeeping? Uh, I went to Elmwood College uh, in Fife, so it's just outside St Andrews, where I studied uh, <clears throat> NCH, NCH, ND. Been kind of topping up my education since at Harrogate. I'm a big uh, <clears throat> supporter of bigger uh, BTME and uh, continuing personal development. So, although I don't have degrees or anything like that, I keep on kind of tinkering away at doing, keeping up to date with as much as I can. Bledge, before we dive into the agronomic side of things. 
Could you tell us where is Hoy Lake or Royal Liverpool located? And can you briefly touch on the history of the club and the course design? Liverpool is on the, uh, the northwest coast of uh, England. The River Mersey, you all have heard the song Ferry Across the Mersey. I'm not going to sing it for you. But uh, south of the Mersey, you have a peninsula called Wirral, beautiful bit of land. Uh, it's like its own kind of separate place. And uh, our county, as we'd call it in England, Royal Liverpool sits in there in the town of Hoylake. Between Hoylake and West Kirby, it's actually like one continuous town. And the club was founded in 1869. Before then, it was a race course, so the flat area around the, the range, which the tented village is on just now, was an old race course that went round uh, Open 3, Open 18, and into town. So that's that's what this ring is, which you'll see in the telly in July. Uh, and it was uh, Robert Chambers and uh, George Morris. So George Morris was old Tom Morris's brother, younger brother. So they originally laid it out, and then the legendary Harry Colt came along in 1871 and uh, turned it into 18 holes. So uh, there's a lot of Colt in there, as we all, we all know, is a remarkable, remarkable uh, architect, and I'm sure everyone would still love him to be around, because <laughs> he, 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 he certainly made a fantastic golf course. So it was that's basically the history of it. Uh, it's... It, lost the Open for many a year and it returned in 2006 with Tiger Woods won it on the on the brown, brown burnt fairways and then we had a contrasting uh, green Open in uh, 2014 where Rory McIlroy won both uh, world number one at the time we've had uh, Vincent Di Vincenzo win Peter Thompson some great winners here and it, it, it's the saying as it bre- um, uh, mighty wins breeder of mighty champions uh, I mean, I got that a little bit wrong, but the the it's generally a very windy site. Even though this year it's not been bad at all, it's been a very strange year with weather. Uh, but the we can touch on that later on, probably. But yeah, that's the kind of brief history of it. It's uh, the clubhouse itself is like a museum. Uh, it's probably renowned as being one of the greatest clubhouses in the world for some of the trophies and paintings and history we've got inside there. Uh, very much likened to the RNA clubhouse, but yeah, I mean it's beautiful from the front and from the back, uh, and it's got some plays on some kind of relatively even land at the start and at the end. But then you play up into the dunes and probably on the uh, the open rotas, some of the best views looking across the D estuary to the islands and Wales. So I mean it's it's absolutely stunning, and they're going to get some unbelievable footage. Uh, drone footage, plane footage, and on the ground as well. Come July, I think it'll be a it'll be a spectacular open for the viewer. Yeah, we're really looking forward to checking it out. It's always fun to to watch the contrast from all our American majors, and then the the way the course looks on TV for the the Open Championships. Always striking to many American golfers, but always a fun fun event. It's very it's very different, isn't it? Really, from from anything that you guys have got across there. You know, usually with the colours and the Revetted bunkers and stuff, you know, in the in the weather quite often as well. I mean, there's some like absolutely brutal weather conditions in the open, and the and the open's gone past. So it's just exactly what it makes it. And you know, there's a tagline just now that the the RNA are using called "forged by nature," and it, and it really is what the open's all about. Whether that be the conditions of the the the, the tough conditions, whether they be brown, whether the the, the roughs long through wet summers 
or the, the, the fairies are super fast and firm. Uh, you know, everything is, and, and the weather really kind of plays the biggest part in that. And I know the 17th hole will look a little different from when we saw Rory win in 2014. Just real quickly, what did they do with the 17th hole? It's not just for the Open, but it was an upgrade for the whole club as well. You know, they wanted a better finish to the golf course. Uh, and the the hole was flipped around. Uh, so you played from the sea and land downhill to a par three. This is before my time. So the hole was built in COVID. Uh, obviously, I started afterwards, so it was already there when I started. But they, they, they flipped it around, so now you're playing. It's 134 yards uh, from inland out to sea with a, a, a perched-up green, uh, with a sand scrape short, bunker left, uh, Truno, like postage stamp style bunker on the right, and then over the back's a sand scrape. Uh, the green's 330 square metres, uh, so I can't, I'm afraid I can't convert that to square feet for you. But it's just a very small green, sloping from back to front, but not like too penal the green, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly fair. Uh, but it's going to really create a fantastic uh, armchair kind of clinging on the side of your armchair watching that you know and, and uh, now the, the course has this beautiful crescendo where it builds and builds and builds uh, and the the, the, uh, the 18th now following that is fantastic as well I think visually the hole is absolutely stunning I mean the, the club have just had the, the official I think it's a watercolour painting done of it uh, which is amazing you never underestimate the, the the value of a good par three. You know you've got Sawgrass seventeen that the TPC's not won until you get past that hole, and the Open will be the same for us until you get past our seventeenth. Uh, I mean you can put some fantastic pin positions on it. It could even be played as a hundred yards one day, which would test people more than than anything. You know, so brilliant golf hole, and I really can't wait for you all to see it. You mentioned the bunkers. We're all familiar with the revetted edges that that get a lot, a lot of attention. What kind of sand do you using your bunkers you bring it in or is that just native sand just native yeah you dig a hole in the ground and you've got the sand there and it's all do you know i can even can expand on that we've uh, for the agronomy side we uh, take the sand out of the ground in the dunes uh, we get rid of anywhere where there's kind of thicker lush grass that's really not meant to be there we can dig that out pull the sand out from below it bury any of the rubbish in there and cap it and then take the side we took 4,000 tons of sand out last year uh, of which we've used probably about half of it so to put a kind of monetary value in that we reckon that's about 180,000 pounds worth of sand uh, if we were to buy it uh, and if we're talking about carbon footprint if we were to match up the sand spec with our, uh, the nearest place we can get dune sand from would be in Ayrshire uh, and that would be 53,000 miles worth of trucking to get it back and back and forward. So you can imagine the carbon footprint, really, of that. So we, we do our bit for the environment. The sand, is it's very fine, but usually it kind of contradicts everything we'd ever learned when I was an apprentice. You know, it was always like coarse sand, coarse sand, coarse sand, you know, top dress with coarse sand, get the infiltration rates up. But now... We've learned, you know, that was when I was on a Parkland golf course, when a Lynx golf course, fine sand, fine sand, fine sand. Uh, increasing bulk density, uh, firming up the greens, firming up the top 20, 40 mil, millimetres of your greens. We've been lashing on the sand, you know, we put 200 tonnes a hectare. I mean, this will all be Swahili to you guys when I'm talking in these metric units, but 
someone will be able to convert it for you. But it's a lot of sand, and we did that through dry jacked and top dressing. There's a lot of sand went on fairways. We want to get to a stage where we've got complete control. Uh, if, it, we are, if we have a wet open, we still want to have greens as firm as possible. So it's all about getting that organic matter down, you know, and we've pushed it down from 7 8% in the top 20 mil, millimetres to around about 4 4.5%. So we're, we're not a kick in the backside off where we really want to be. Uh, and the, green, the greens are clegging, clegging well. The, the grass coverage is, is absolutely brilliant. We're at the stage now where we're, uh, we're cutting at 375 mil, and we're ready to just start ultra grooming them, just grooming, fine grooming all the time, no more top dressing, there's no more major things to be done to the greens, we put a little bit of fertiliser on them last week, just a little 7014, because we're going to be cutting so much during the open, I mean, we double cutting greens to get speed, without having to kind of shave them right down hopefully, uh, we won't be rolling, we'll just be double cutting, uh, to get them all at the same speed, which I can't tell you that is what that is because I'm not really sure what it'll be. It's all de- completely determined on the weather. There's no secrets. It's just like we might have to slow them down because it's windy or we might have to, if it's if we know it's going to be flat calm, we might push them a little bit more. The ideal weather conditions now is we get a little bit of rain in the next four weeks. A couple of weeks are kind of good solid dumps of rain would be good just to keep everything healthy and then we can take the foot off the gas, let her dry out. Uh, we can bring these moistures down from 15 to 20% or maybe just a little bit over that in some of them, down to around about 10 and get them proper firm. You know, we're, we're really looking for greens. I mean, you've seen St Andrews last year, they hit new records with Clegmeter readings of 150 gravities. You know, I think if we can get above 130, we'd be doing well. We'd be, we'd be happy with that. I mean, that's going to give give these best golfers a, a proper test. I know at Royal St Ports you had a little bit of an initiative to expose some of the sand and improve the native dune areas, so... Is is that similar to what you're doing with sourcing the sand in the dunes? Is that part of that program at Royal Liverpool? Yeah, ex- exactly that. Yeah, I'm kind of a little bit of a one trick pony when it comes to that, but it's <laughs> you're really a much nicer kind of dynamic to the golf course as well. Instead of just having rough everywhere, bringing in sand. I mean, these golf courses all used to have open sand everywhere. They're very popular. You know, the sand moves about and. When it when the sand does move about, it colonises with new fescues or marm grass, uh, and it looks beautiful. It looks natural. Uh, it adds like a different mosaic. I mean, you want everywhere to be a picture postcard. You know, when you're looking around in the tee, three sixty. It's not all just kind of to be in front of you, to the sides, behind. As I say, it's all about sustainability. There's years and years, decades and decades worth of sand mining that can be done in these golf courses. And then who knows, you know, if if, if, if it's for technology is going to improve, uh, it could be in 100 years' time uh, they've found a new way of, uh, of of diluting organic matter through, who knows, like there might, there might be some other way to do it other than top dressing or, or, or core inverticutting or whatever, you just don't know. But there's uh, definitely the way forward just now, you know, using the, using the resources you've got on site uh, and at the same time, creating new uh, new ecology and, and uh, encouraging butterflies, moths, sand lizards, uh, new new nesting birds. We get a great backing by Natural England and Environment Agency for doing all this as well. So we work with them, uh, and it's we've seen it deal. I mean, the amount of new bird species that were coming in when we started having the sand these sand scrapes was just it was incredible, and yeah, we. we we obviously we won our GeoCert award for that as well, so it's uh, 
it's great to see, and I love how Ben Williams is actually taking it another step further with Martin Ebert down there. They've been uh, snaking uh, sleepered walkways through the uh, through the through the the sand at like like Prince's Golf Club next door at St George's as well, where they did a super job of that there. You know, it's I don't think it's a fashion. I don't think it's a fad. I think it's progression, and I think it's. Uh, I mean, you watch LA Country Club at the weekend for me was just the mutts nuts. <laughs> I thought it was. This is a that is a proper golf course, wasn't it? Yeah, the last two years the U.S. Open venues got rave reviews. It's a it's a, a new style of course, and in the in the states we're trending in that direction too, a little bit more of the golden age, naturalized rough around the edges type of course design. It was just it was really nice to see the long. I mean, the long par three as well, where they, where they haven't hit a wood. I think there was a lot of reading online, social media. People are kind of thinking it's ridiculous and stuff, but I don't, I don't at all because I, I would say, how many times do I have to hit a wood on a par three all the time? So it's great to see them do it. And the, and the seventy-eight yard hole they had is just a stroke of genius. So yeah, more of that. I mean, I can't wait. It's going to coming back to Pinehurst too as well, isn't it? You know, the US, they're, they're smashing it when it comes to choosing their golf courses. So long may it continue. It's something that uh, a lot of people have taken note of. Is kind of that turn back to the when possible you can save resources and the course looks a little better visually like it's a win-win incorporating more native areas in these sandy areas and you, you know guys go over and play in, in the uk and sometimes they forget about it but sometimes they remember and and it's an opportunity for us to to incorporate some of these things that you guys over there have been doing for a long time well there's one other thing as well john you know they have the continues golf can, can continue you know if you hit a ball at like a really stray shot, it's gone into one of these sand areas and there's nothing more frustrating than having to look about for a golf ball for, for ages. I mean, if you find your ball, you know, good boys, I can keep playing and, and it's a it's something that's a bit peculiar. You've got a you've got a sandy lie in the middle of the rough and it's like, oh, this is awesome. You know, and it's it's just adds a new dynamic to it. So I'm all for that as well. Yeah, the variety, great course is one of the, the trademarks sort of is a nice variety in the par threes and LACC, everything from a sand wedge to a, a fairway wood or even driver some guys had to hit. So you gave us a good rundown there of the kind of the soil types and the height of cut. What kind of grasses do you have on the course? Is it fine fescue wall to wall? So starting from the tees, we have fescue tees. Uh, we actually saw a tiny little bit of dwarf ryegrass through the tees just for like to hold on to the fescue just to create a little bit of body because we do get quite a lot of play. Uh, and these are, I mean, they're the finest rise that you can get. Paths are right, ryegrass paths, uh, fescue fairways. I mean, the roughs have got everything in them. You know, they're, they're fescue roughs, but they've got bent grass, they've got timothy, they've got fog. I mean, they're, they're, they've got burnet rows in them. They're very, very natural roughs. Greens beautiful uh, bent fescue greens not fescue bent I would say they're bent fescue they're more bent in them than fescue but the, they're a fantastic blend you know the the, the, the bent grass is, is a, it's a lovely dark rich colour just now you know it's it, it's uh, coverage is just superb you know we're really really happy with them and yeah so that's 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 the that's the main kind of makeup so that we, we overseed uh, in the autumns with just with straight fescue and putting about 18 grams a square metre in a time uh, on the greens with the fescue and the uh, bent grass would overseed at 5 grams and we've done that just a couple of times. Uh, some of the greens, we've got some newer greens that we've, we've been treating a little bit differently and we're putting a little bit more bent grass in them to get them to catch up but 
Yeah, we've got a, a couple of absolute pure fescue surrounds out there than your holes, which we've been trying to punch some bent into, but it's going to take a good few years to really get get him to catch up with the rest. Yeah, I won't take a stab at those conversions on the fly blitz either. So <laughs> maybe we'll put it in the show notes. We'll we'll do the math and then and then put it in the show notes. I think we'll have to. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the the Yorkshire fog, Yorkshire fog. The first few times I heard it mentioned, I didn't even know it was a type of grass. I thought it was a, a delicacy or something. Yeah. Over there, what what is it exactly, and how does it impact putting green maintenance? It's my absolute arch enemy. You know, at Deal, it was the thing that kept me awake at night. You know, it's the worst. It's the most horrible grass you've ever seen. It's a short, hairy, fat, stubby, persistent MF of a grass. <laughs> it really is horrendous. Uh, we used to have a chemical, Pinoxidin Rescue, Syngenta Rescue, Pinoxidin was the active ingredient. You guys have, must have it across there. You know, you got everything now, but... It was banned for us, or not banned, but it wasn't re-registered, there wasn't enough of it sold, and that was the only really thing that could combat it. Uh, yeah, you can scratch it, you know, we've we've got micro-groomers that are like verticuts or scar- verticut units with half the width, so they're like very, very micro, uh, and we've been really brutal on them, uh, but yeah, we, we try and punch fescue into them to get it to compete, but the fog is just so strong. But yeah, we've got the odd patch, on some of the greens here, we're a lot more at, at deal at Royal Sinkports. You know, our 18th green was horrendous with it. It slows the surface up. Uh, when you get a dewy morning, it clings to it, so it stands out like a sore thumb. Uh, it also makes the green softer for, like, balls approaching in. But uh, luckily, there's not as much here, which is good. Bits in the rough and a couple of patches in the greens, but not. we just keep pins away from there. But again, as we, as we keep going back to this, and I'll, I'll maybe see how many times I say this during the podcast, but the forged by nature thing, and that's what it is at the end of the day. And I think maybe it's difficult, isn't it? With people watching golf on the telly, they're always expecting perfection, but you're not going to get that in Lynx Golf, I'm afraid, because we have fairy rings in our fairways, we've got fairy rings in the greens. We try our damnedest to try and control these through correct moisture, correct cultural controls, deep water in because we're always trying we don't we don't put on little and often here you know we'll not dry them out too far but we'll we'll rather dump put a dump of six millimeters of water on every three nights than every night at two because we want to try and get that water down through using wetting agents and good aeration and get it down to the deep root and fescues and bents to take up the water so we're discourage, discouraging the poor i mean we've got a very small percentage of poor in the greens you know and and that's that's why you know because we've been years and years of proper cultural practices and just good solid green keeping same with granular fertilizers you know using granulars to try and get the get the feed right down into the lowest parts of the soils as opposed to spraying like well low water volume uh, liquid fertilizer uh, and feeding feeding the plant feed the roots instead you know and getting it right down there so that these are just kind of some examples uh but yeah yorkshire fog hellish hellish thing you mentioned Poannua there. Is that it's a problem at other courses, but you have it under control? Is it sort of an issue on on greens in the UK? So some of the best greens I've played have been poor greens, and you'll probably agree in the states. It, I, th- I think you can. I know a lot of guys that manage it beautifully, and you walk on the greens and like, cheese. That's right. You only when it stresses and you get the seed head, and like you can walk on some greens that are when the seed head's absolutely going for it. It's very unfortunate, you know, and. 
but here we've just got kind of little bits dotted about here and then the seed head's very small uh, we have a chemical we don't use it here but there is a chemical that you can that suppresses the seed head it can it can shrink it not get rid of it completely you'll probably have like serone or whatever where you can completely get rid of it i don't know what the active is i'm kind of of the opinion that and i always kind of have been that you've got to try and manage what you've got if you've got a poor golf course uh, why would you ever break your neck and ruin everyone's golf by trying to convert them to fescue which takes the exact opposite management strategy you know you just would never have anyone out playing golf would you you know you'd have to raise the height of cut take down the take down the uh, the water take down the nutrition to try and encourage fescue but then your pole would die off and then it was like everyone you'd have so many complaints it's it's difficult uh, i respect a lot of the greenkeepers that can get a really good surface out of pole it's, it's it, it can be done you know you mentioned fairy ring and um, Poe and, and the Yorkshire fog. Are there any other primary pest issues you deal with as far as insects or any other diseases or weeds? Uh, so, uh, well, leather jackets are a, are a concern. We but we we get to we would spray a celeprin uh, when the when the leather jackets are like crane flies at like larvae before larvae stage, you know, egg stage, just after the the crane fly is injected into the ground we'd wait a few weeks and then spray a celeprin and that would really curb any of that activity starting and we've managed to keep a hold of that so that's fine but you see some golf courses in britain get absolutely trashed by leather jackets you know eating the roots uh just like a tiny little brown grub that's why it's called, called a leather jacket but uh and then it hatches and it goes into a crane fly which which is like a like a little spider that buzzes about i don't Sorry if I'm teaching you guys how to suck eggs. I don't know if you've got them across there, but you might have some in similar, probably a lot worse. But then you also have all the crows and the birds pecking at the greens because of that. But we've we've kept a curb on that. So not really have any pest issues here. Dollar spot's been more of a thing recently on fescue, which we've controlled with nitrogen. Uh, so much so you can actually see where maybe sometimes one of the boys has turned the, the fertilizer spreader off a wee bit early. Uh, and missed a bit and then you can see where the nitrogen is it's completely combated it just with something as small as a 15 5 15 at 25 or 30 grams a square meter you know not, not huge amounts uh, and then so we wouldn't spray a fungicide for that we'd always try not to spray a fungicide the only time really is for combating fairy ring or for trying to supp suppress fairy ring from essentially turning from type twos to ones and having death but the uh or thatch fungus you know so we would use as oxystrobins to to kind of try and make sure that doesn't uh, erupt because hoy lake royal liverpool is quite a it's quite a fungal site when it comes to fairy rings you know we've got type ones and the fairways a couple of them again third time i'll say this forged by nature isn't it you know it's like uh when have you ever seen a an open golf course that's not at fairy ring? It always happens. Can't think of one. It always happens, and that's it's just part of it. So uh, it's something that we've never we try our hardest. All the chemical companies and the top uh, pathologists and agronomists are trying to kind of get to a solution for it. But touching the corners, I think we've not really not we've not eliminated them yet, have we? So but take a better man than me to do it anyway. I'll tell you. It's all part of the open experience and. I don't think anyone minds a little bit of fairy ring. It's something we could all get used to as superintendents in the States, you know, a little bit here and there. It's, And I think we're seeing a trend towards that, more like the playability 
how's how's the golf course play versus how how does it look so exactly again yeah. hopefully hopefully a trend that we get to see continue switching gears to preparations for the open championship uh planning and coordinating maintenance is key for any championship especially major championships hopefully things go smoothly you touched on the weather earlier so last year we saw dry fast firm st andrews how are you trending so far this year up in liverpool and what should we expect as far as that aspect of the open so we had a wet spring which was amazing because the rough was good you know it was penal in the areas that needed to be penal and then in the summer we've gone from i mean the end of may all the way through well the whole of may in fact and then half of june we've gone through a six weeks drought no like no rain to even worry about one mil maybe a couple of times but so we obviously are keeping the keeping the fairies they were they were browning off but we were really worried you don't want them to brown off too early because if they brown off and then then there's rain then they're going to come back all blotchy and uneven and you could have tough loss even that early so We've been really working hard. I mean, the team have been amazing. We've been we've got a really on point wetting agent strategy. Uh, we use uh, Syngenta Colibra, twenty liters a hectare every month on all surfaces, uh, and we've been watering. I mean, the fairies at one point were on every second night. Uh, there's areas of rough that we've kind of thinned out. We've been obviously trying to keep up, which is getting better. Uh, and in the last week, we've had an inch of rain. So that's really, here we go. I'm talking Imperial now for you. We've had an inch, we've had an inch of rain. Uh, and the course has just bounced back instantly, you know. Uh, anyone will see if they're looking on Twitter or the club's Instagram or the Arnie's Instagram and the drone flyovers in the last month, the course was starting to look brown, you know. The, the irrigation system was, uh, you, you can see the coverage with wind or whatever is not, perfect on a, on a Lynx course at times you don't get perfect head-to-head coverage sometimes you know which is frustrating but then that's the way it is and then uh, the rains came and then she rain and, and she's bounced back because of the wetting agents bounced back straight away the uh, the course looks absolutely brilliant just now I couldn't be happier with it hopefully we get a bit of intermittent rain and then in the week drying up so let's let's say from about the 12th 13th or 14th of July we get nice hot weather and we can dry her out like St Andrews, St Andrews was. Get the place firm and fast. Uh, finish the week with some nice traditional brown linksy golf fairies, and uh, we can dry the greens down a bit. Make some of these hole positions more challenging, and that's what will separate the men from the boys at the end of the day, which is what everyone wants to see. Yeah, you mentioned the Clegghammer readings. I know firmness is always key for any major championship. It's it's kind of gives a lot of courses their defense for championships here. The superintendent works with either USGA or PGA agronomists in preparing the course and, and helping them make uh setup decisions. Do you do that as well? Will you have a RNA agronomist or anyone like that, that you'll work with to prepare the course in the way that they, they would like to, or do they kind of leave you on, leave you on your own? No, we work together, uh, myself and Alistair Beggs, who's, Alistair was a captain here in 2014, so he handed the claret jug to Rory McElroy, uh, and he just so happens to be our agronomist, he was my agronomist down in Royal St Ports as well. Ian Alley walked the course tirelessly, constantly, through the week, weekends, uh, we speak all, all the time, 
Uh, we have a plan. We speak between the other guys who do the course set up at the RNA. Uh, it's all very good. It's all very constructive. No stress. And yeah, I've, my Clegg hammer has only just arrived back today from getting fixed. So I've not actually. I'm going to go out tonight and Clegg them later. But I would have guessed it'd be. I don't know just now. They must be about 115, 120. But I would say with moistures, the pogo the other night was reading uh, 18 to 25. So it'll have dropped about 4% since then. Uh, every 4% you drop, you probably add another 10 in the Clegg. So we're sitting in a good place and we'll obviously start ramping that up. We'll start to do some extra rolling. Uh, we've got our volunteer team coming in. Uh, so then we'll start ramping up the hand cutting because we've just been triple cutting just now. We've got the Toro 3370 electric triples. Uh, so that's how we've been doing our greens just now. But we'll start ramping up the hand cutting, uh, getting a better footprint on them, more rolling, uh, and just really starting to firm them up at that, yeah. Yeah, Bledge, we're used to measuring firmness as sort of the depression in inches that the true firm device makes on the green. So, again, this show notes is going to get real long and technical with all of our conversions, but we'll have to figure out how gravity relates to uh, depressions in the green surface in inches. Like a soft pore green in winter would be about 70 gravities, uh, and St. Andrews had their greens up about 150 so we think we're sitting about 150 and 120 just now. So that'll kind of give you an idea. It's a decelerometer that measures deceleration. It's used for uh, tar roads and stuff like that, cricket wickets. So it's a great device. Our firm greens are usually like 0.3 inches would be very firm. So this will be your first major championship as a course manager or links manager, as your title is at Royal Liverpool. What challenges have stood out to you as far as coordinating all the stuff that comes with it, the logistics and job assignments, hospitality, the build-out? All of that, the build-out, etc., has not been much of a challenge, to be honest. They've got a really amazing team that build the stands, separate team that build the hospitality. We've just had to have all these areas cut out for them. These guys are all experts in their field. I don't really have anything to do with them. It's I, I help out now and then. They might they might kind of give us a phone call asking for this to be moved or that to be moved. But the way I've worked this is I've delegated a lot of that work to my deputy and my first assistant. So in the early days, I guess I was clever about it. I made a, a sheet, a laminated, a laminated sheet with their names and phone numbers on it. And I says, if anything happens, there's any deliveries that go the wrong way or whatever, or anyone's struggling, you phone these guys. And Paul and Chris have mopped it all up, so that means I can get on with everything else, and it gives them a great bit of responsibility, and they love it. Today there was a water pipe hit, but this always happens, you know. You can't imagine, you can't make a build a mini city without having having little kind of hiccups like that. So our irrigation tech will go and deal with that, and he'll sort it out. It's very few and far between. Uh, so no, I don't. There's no, there's no, no hardships, no issues so far. Touch wood. From my side, the biggest challenge is. Uh, Preparing for an open whilst keeping members, guests and visitors happy because they demand two different things. The the members, if they're paying a lot of money to come and play a golf course, you expect it to be of open standard, which we want to, which we want to deliver. It's up to me to, to give them that experience whilst I'm trying to still protect it from getting trashed. And I hope we, I, I like to think we did everything, you know, and, and everyone walked away from here really happy. You get a great experience when you come here between... The, the the golf concierge and the, the, the bar staff and the waiter staff, you know, it's a great great experience and I know they've been getting that in the course and I think that's been the hardest thing for me to kind of keep everyone happy 
the great thing about Royal Liverpool is members are really understanding. They really love the Open. They want it to be a success. We put mat zones in, and the members were like, "No, nah, let's not play in the mat zones. Let's use mats everywhere." You know, they actually want to go the extra mile. Uh, and when we did the buggy ban, I had actually had a funny one last week. Uh, I was I was having lunch upstairs with my old secretary, and one of the old boys call themselves the Tuesday boys. They like a good drink, and they play a game of golf on a Tuesday. Uh, and when I when I met them up there, uh, I was asking what you doing, and they said, "No, well, they'd like." opened about their six bottle of wine by this time and said well we've got to stay up here and drink and eat because you ban buggies and we can't go out and play so uh, <laughs> it was quite it was quite funny they used me as an excuse yeah one of the really cool things about golf in the uk is pretty much every course right even up to the the elite level there's the availability or the possibility of the public getting on and, and playing mm, yeah there's not there's not many closed courses you know i, I can think of maybe three three in, in britain that you can't really get a game on queenwood the wesley Beaverbrook. I think everywhere else is accessible. Yeah, hopefully the secret doesn't get out too soon. <laughs> I think I think the word might be out on that already, but it's something that's that's refreshing too. No, we love welcoming you guys across here. You know, it's it's, it's uh, we want the secret to get out. You know, we love it when the Americans come across. Now, as far as the preparation and um, maintenance during the Open, you'll have I'm sure some volunteers coming from across the UK. You expecting any American greenkeepers to come over? Or- folks from overseas as well and how many volunteers will you have we have got i've got a team of 13 myself and we'll be extending that to 46 which includes myself uh we have we've only got two overseas uh volunteers one uh lee strutt from cabot cliffs who's actually an englishman you probably know uh lee's my mentor so uh he'll be coming over giving me a load of grief that week about how I'm doing everything wrong, which it wouldn't be Lee if, if he didn't. He keeps me in line, which is good, and I'm really looking forward to seeing Lee because I've not seen him for ages. So, uh, do you know what Lee? Lee's been a massive influence in my career. He's he's been the biggest support. He kicked my backside into place when we were at GUS when we we built that together. He's always been there at the other end of the phone to help, and I think everyone needs someone like that. And I really, I really very grateful to him for it. And yeah, I think sometimes like I think he's like because I've got to this point, he's almost like my biggest fan. You know, he's always really, really happy for us, which is amazing. So I'm really looking forward to him coming across. I've just not picked a job for him yet. I think I'm going to get him to polish uh, sprinklers uh, because that's what he did at the Ryder Cup. But yeah, so uh, he, so I'm looking forward to him and uh, Lars Knutsen from some Sweden. He's he's coming across, so he's the uh, the other the one that's jumping in a plane. But I've. I've We've picked a really great team of people, uh, course managers, deputies, assistants, and the coolest thing is we did a uh, an apprentice competition on Twitter where I asked five questions and everything compiled on a spreadsheet, so I had everyone's answers in front of me and I, I raised all their names and their clubs so there was no prejudice, and then we uh, we picked the best answers and we've got three youngsters, I think they're 17, 18-year-olds, coming from three random parts of Britain, I'm going to have them cutting greens, hand cutting greens for the Open, you know, and for me that's really amazing that there's going to be a lad from uh, like a, a a golf course in, in our city, Milton Keynes, uh, with a driving range attached to it and he's going to be cutting greens at the Open. I think, where do you get that chance to do something like that in the Open Championship? So it's pretty awesome. As you head into the Championship, are there any maintenance practices you'll kind of add on or layer on top of your normal maintenance or you feel like the things you normally do will be enough to prepare for the open 
Uh, so I, I think there's been little things we've done uh, different. We have been hand weeding, doing a lot of hand weeding. There's been a like, it's quite a weedy site, you know. There's weeds pop up in the fairways. Uh, so we've been. I mean, we had one of the guys today had pulled a full bucket of weeds out of the 18th. So we really, I mean, this goes back to your sustainability. Trying not to kind of blanket spray fairways with weed killer, but like I mean, usually in a normal year you might have to do stuff like that. They they obviously going to be up in the cutting more, but I mean apart from that, I really want Royal Liverpool to be of open standard year in year out. That's the whole point, isn't it? It's the whole idea. If I was to go and play Shinnecock Hills, you know, you would you would think that would be this the case. Uh, and a lot of people ask me, is this just going to be like this just because the opens here? And I'm like, no, not at all. Royal Sinkports wasn't. You know, we had that to uh, as high a standard as possible year in, year out. Uh, and this place will be no different. I play golf a lot and I play on on the course here, so that I want to be able to play as, as good a golf course as I can as well, so that's why we do it. Yeah, so that nothing too different. I think the only kind of thing we've had, we've been trying out the Hydroject, you know, the old Toro Hydroject. We've, been, we've had her charged up this week and putting it in kind of some of the greens where the fairy ring activities a little bit more to see if we can get some moisture right down to the roots, right down to the depths. But again, we just wanted to see how that worked, but it's no, no nothing major, different really. Yeah, you you mentioned uh, how the course will play, and you're you're a decent golfer in your own right. Um, some big names have won the Claret Jug at Hoylake, Royal Liverpool, as you mentioned earlier, Tiger and Rory. Uh, Bobby Jones also won back in the day, and Walter Hagen. So f- from a golfer's perspective, as we watch the best golfers in the world come to Royal Liverpool, what what's one thing we should look out for as far as how you prepare the course from the greenkeeper perspective, um, as far as how the players are going to handle this Lynx course? First, firstly, I would say I'm not a decent golfer in my own respect. <laughs> I don't know where you got that from. Compared to me, James. <laughs> but uh, the, the, it's going to be a very long golf course. Uh, but, I mean, look how, how far these guys are hitting it these days. Most of all, it's a it's a course where you've got to think every every single shot off the tee. I mean, I know these pros do anyway, but there's a lot of golf courses I've played where I'll just stand up and hit pull out a driver on every single tee but on this one you need to get the gun out and you need to measure every single bunker off the tee know exactly am I going to hit the left side of the fairway or the right side because every it's like you're playing two par threes all the time because uh, I mean we take our fourth hole for example you really need to hit the left side of that fairway so you can get a route into the green otherwise if you're over the right then you're over rough and then you're over a bunker and the green's narrower on that side so Hoylake was famous for people saying in 2006 that Tiger plotted his way. You know, the word plotted. And that's exactly what the guys are going to have to do this year. You need a plotter. You can bet your bottom dollar it's going to be a Scheffler or a Ram or a McElroy. You know, I know the guys at the club would love to see Rory lift the jug again, especially after missing out by a shot. I mean, he's, Rory's absolutely adored in this country, you know, and... But I, I would, for me, I'd love to see Tommy Fleetwood win it. I'm a big Tommy Fleetwood fan. He seems like a really cool guy, and uh, I know he's caddy Ian Finnis, and he's Ian's just desperate to win the Open here, absolutely desperate. Uh, and yeah, I just that's who I'm championing this this year. So I'd love to shake his hand on the Sunday night and say well done. No doubt you've committed a lot of hard work, time, and effort into not only preparing Royal Liverpool for the Open, but to getting where you are in your career now as the open here is 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 nearing what's 
one thing you're most looking forward to? I'm a huge golf fan. Uh, I have a podcast myself with my good friend Sam Cooper who's an architect called Golf Badgers and I would say I'm a golf badger, that's why we call it that. And so I'm I'm actually most looking forward to watching these guy play these guys play our course. I've played it that many times now and I want to see where they hit it and what they're hitting out of these areas and I'm looking forward to seeing people enjoying themselves, having a drink, having a laugh hearing the crowd roar you know I live on site I open my kitchen window and I can see the yellow of the the uh, the grandstand on 18 I mean that's pretty awesome uh, and I just I just really hope that everyone we have a nice safe open everyone has a great time and do you know what I'm, I'm most looking forward to as well you know I'm really looking forward to all these guys of the, the, on the team that I've built I mean I've really thought hard and long about this team I've, I've been thinking about it since the day I got the job. You know, I didn't. I didn't just uh, start here and then a couple of months before the open think, all right, I need to start getting everything together. Everything has been happening since day dot, even before I started. Uh, and yeah, I, I just can't wait for these guys to network and make new friends and then see all that grow because I think that's what's awesome about our our industry, isn't it? I mean, you. It's the same in the states, and I've made so many great friends, American greenkeepers as well. You know Matthew Wharton, uh, Joe Galotti. There's there's some amazing guys that I, that I, I love bumping into when I'm across there, and for me that's what it's all about: helping each other out and creating new contacts. And I just can't wait for that to happen as well. It's going to be a hell of a week. Well, hopefully when the grandstands come down and you get the course put put back together, you'll be able to enjoy some well-earned R and R and time with your family. And uh, you mentioned a team there. I know culture work culture is an important thing to you so uh we'll have to get you back on to talk about that but pledge thanks again for your time today i know you're one heck of a busy guy we really look forward to seeing the great work you and your team at royal liverpool and uh do and showcase that on tv for the world to see and uh please save a volunteer spot for me next time ah, yeah no problem john thank you very much for asking me it's been a pleasure That's it for this episode of the USGA Green Section Podcast. Please share, subscribe, and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And keep up with our latest content on Twitter and by subscribing to the Green Section Record, our digital publication covering all things golf course management.